Thank you, Tom. Hey, so good to be with you this beautiful morning. Thank you for those who are joining us online. We, we love you. We miss seeing you, but we know you're with us in spirit. And thank you for those who are here in the meadow. What a joy to gather on this Labor Day weekend. I'm so thankful we live in a place that values work. You know, as Christians, we don't see work as a burden or even part of the curse. We see work as a, a blessing. And the Protestant work ethic doesn't come from culture or ethnicity. It comes from the scriptures. God invites us in Colossians 3 to see our work not as uh, unto men, but unto the Lord with all our hearts, to, to work as unto the Lord. And so when, the way we see work is not just a job to, to get a paycheck or, or to do something. It's, it's integral to our worship to our service, to our creator, to our maker, and who he has made us. Thank you, Bob, for that great quote from Max Lucado about the incredible worth that you are made in the image of God. Never, never forget that. And our work is a reflection of that image that God has made as creator, as maker. He's given us creative skill and passions and energy to use for the furtherance of God's glory and, and the good of others. It's beautiful. So don't see your work as a curse, see it as a blessing that God has given us together for the worship of our God. So we're going to be in uh, Psalm 1 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to open those. And uh, we're going to do something we haven't done for a little while. We're going to stand together. And the reason we stand when we read the Word of God is because we respect what God has said, and it's an honor of what God has said. And so if you're able, if you're unable to stand, it's okay. But if you're able physically to stand, I want to invite you to stand in honor and respect of what God has said in Psalm chapter 1. So if you can read along or, or listen, blessed is the one. God is a God of blessing, as we sang already this morning, that beautiful blessing from God's word for you and your children and your children's children. God is a God of blessing. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked. Or stand in the way that sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Don't you love it that we worship a delighting God? Who wants his people to delight in him. And who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Which yield its fruit in season. And whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff. The wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches. And I I, I don't think the NIV quite uh, translates this right. It's actually the word knows. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. You may be seated. Praise God for his word this morning. We're entering uh, a new series here in September. We had a a glorious uh, summer in the book of Isaiah. And we're going to continue with that theme of God at the center of all things. That Isaiah calls us to repentance. And what we find in the presence of God is mercy. We find grace. We find healing. We find restoration and new creation. And this month of September, we're going to look at making God the priority of our lives. And I just got to say, we can't do that just in 21 days. It's, it's really an invitation to a whole life with God. But 
we're going to take 21 days as a church, both up here uh, on the hill and downtown, to, to really look at focusing on what we call spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, which are practical ways in which we live, in which things we do to allow God to take that priority in our lives. And so we're going to go through this month, and there's going to be some very practical things that we can do. But we're really going to look at what does it mean to make God our priority. And so I want to invite you to, to not just uh, listen, but to participate in that over these 21 days. To not just be uh, hearers of God's word, but to be doers of God's word. Uh, God loves it when what we hear gets translated into action into our lives. And that's, that's really our goal over the next 21 days. Is, and I, I got to tell you, already God's putting things on my heart that he wants me to do over these 21 days to uh, seek him, to allow him to become priority in my life. And so this morning, as we're going to introduce the first one, which is really this idea of fasting. Simplicity is another word that has been used. This idea of fasting. And throughout the, the scripture, there's an invitation to fast. And we're going to look a little bit deeper into the biblical story about why that's so important for the formation of our hearts. And I just want to say as we dive into Psalm 1 that the goal is blessing. You see, God doesn't want to make you miserable. <laughs> Isn't that good? He doesn't want to just take things away because uh, somehow that gives him pleasure to take things away from you. Just the opposite. What gives God pleasure is to give to you. God is a giving God. His generosity blows us away. His generosity cannot be described with words. And his desire is to bring blessing. That's what we see in Psalm 1. But Psalm 1 is just a, a small part of the whole story of the Bible. And if I could characterize the whole story of the Bible, it's a story about God and it's a story of God's blessing. It's a story of blessing. It's a story of goodness. It's a story of life. It's a story of restoration, of beautiful creation. And we see that in the creation around us. We see God's goodness reflected in the flowers and the stream and the trees and the grass. And most importantly, in you and I as reflectors of God's image. You see, God is a God of blessing. But we live in a reality of a battle that the Bible outlines from the very beginning as a struggle over glory, over worship. And so we're caught in the curse of sin. And we've seen that effect in all our lives, and we see it all around us in the world, in sickness and disease and broken relationships and wars and all kinds of dysfunction. And we see it in our own hearts that tend towards activity or things that are destructive. And so God in his mercy reveals the way of blessing. And we believe Jesus Christ is ultimately the revelation of God's blessing. But Psalm 1 is an invitation for us to let go of certain things and to open our lives and our hearts to God and His way. And so if you look at verse 1, there's a, a contrast. There's a contrast. It says, blessed is the one, and then if you skip a few words down, it says, whose delight is in the law of God. And so the one way is the way of delight, which is a delight in God and his law, his word, his ways. But then the other side of that is a person who rejects God, who says no to God. And it's characterized by a few words, walk, stand, sit. 
I want you to think about those words because in the New Testament, all those words are used as words to describe discipleship, transformation of the human hearts of our lives in a positive way. But here they're used in a negative way. Now, here's what I think Psalm 1 is saying. All of us are being discipled. All of us are being transformed. All of us are receiving something that is forming who we are. Whether you realize it or not, you're being formed by something. Your heart is being shaped by things, by messages, by ideas, by actions. And so this reality of the transformation is so crucial to who we are as human beings. And now the question is, what are we transforming to be? <laughs> who are we going to be? And so the contrast is here is either we can be God's people, delighting in him, being transformed by him in his way, as it says, meditating on his ways, his law, his word day and night, or we're being formed by something else. Now, all of us have the same amount of time during the day, during the week, during the month, during the year. And what we do with that time, what we do with what we're given matters, right? And you're listening to things every day. Every day you're being shaped by something. And your longing and my longing as human beings, I think, is ultimately to be blessed. We want blessing. <laughs> we want to be happy. This word blessed means to be happy to be fulfilled, to be satisfied. I can guarantee every single human being at the deepest recesses of who they are longs for that. You long to be blessed. You long to be happy. You want to experience satisfaction in every aspect of life. That's how God made us. He made us to desire that. But what ultimately will bring that blessing to our lives matters. And so, how do we gauge what is shaping our hearts? How do we know what's forming who we are? There's two or three easy ways. We look at our calendars, <laughs> look at our checkbooks. What are we doing with our time? What are we doing with what we have in this life? Because all of that matters in forming and shaping who we are. And so, what are we listening to? What do you, what do you read what is forming what you get excited about, what you love? You see, all of that matters because it has to do with the core of who we are and what we're becoming as human beings. And so Psalm 1 is an invitation to examine what is forming us. What is forming our delight in this life? Where are we looking for blessing? And I got to say that this is not an easy thing to examine because there's some conviction. <laughs> There's areas in our lives where, and I even this week began to look at some things in my life where I was giving too much time. I was listening to some things that weren't pleasing to God, and I had to repent of that. I had to confess that, and I had to say, God, I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to stop giving my mind and my thoughts to that thing. All of us have that. All of us have that temptation, that struggle, and so the invitation is, are we willing to let go of those things. And it's different for all of us. For some of you, it may be listening to the news media. For some of you, it may be certain books or websites that you're going to. For others, it may be people that you're spending time with that you shouldn't be. Maybe for some of you, it's activities that you shouldn't be doing. There's maybe food or drink 
or something else that needs to be given up in order for your heart to be formed and shaped by God. And this, my brothers and sisters, is the invitation that I think Psalm 1 is making for us. What are we going to give our time to? What are we going to give our hearts to? What are we going to give our delight to? Because it matters. It matters in who we become. It matters not only for our lives, but as we sang already this morning, it matters for the next generation (laughs) and the generation after that. You see, what we do in our life has eternal consequences, eternal ramifications. And so God invites us to himself because none of us can experience this on our own. We need God's help. And the invitation of Psalm 1 is to come to God and to receive what only he can give, to receive from his law, from his word, from his way. You see, all of us, the Bible says, have become lost. If we strive in our own way, in our own strength, we will get lost. Um, I, I enjoy hiking with my family throughout the hills, and if we get off the path, I, it's, it's fun to go explore, but it's easy to get lost, right? If we don't know where we're going. And so God opens a way. He shows us a path. He shows us the way of righteousness. And when we accept that and we receive God's way, then we become like this person planted by streams of water. So I want to share a story from the scripture of a man who I believe uh, reveals to us the reality of what we're seeing here in Psalm chapter 1. His name is Moses. I've been thinking a lot about Moses the last few days. and uh, In fact, if it wasn't for Moses, we wouldn't have the word of God. It's interesting when it says the law of the Lord, it's referring to the five first books of the, New, of the Old Testament, which is called the Pentateuch, which Moses is the author. He's the one who brought those five books together, and it's his story uh, with God that really gives us a foundation for understanding some of the bigger story of what God is doing in our lives today. And so Moses literally means one who is drawn out of the waters. <laughs> and some of you who've been in church You kind of know a little bit of Moses' story, but he was born in adversity. He was born in adversity because he lived in a time where his people were slaves. He was born into slavery. He had no rights. He had no freedom. In fact, as a baby, the Pharaoh was seeking to kill him and all the boys of his generation. And so all of you have been through some hard times, some difficult things, but tell you what, being born in the midst of slavery and being born at the moment when someone is trying to take your life is terrible. And Moses was born in that circumstance. But God had a plan and he had a purpose for Moses. And I believe God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And you can think about Moses as that slave boy thinking, what is his part in this grand story of human history? And I bet he felt pretty small. And I bet some of you feel pretty small, but God's purposes, his plans are amazing and enormous, bigger than you could ever imagine. And you are part of that story, and I'm part of that story. We are not just meaningless accidents in this universe, because what is the message that we hear around us in our culture? That all of this is just an accident, (laughs) that all of this just was a random coming together of atoms and chemicals. But no, the Bible tells us God has a purpose and he has a meaning 
for every human life, for all of creation. And so Moses was born in adversity, but he was drawn out of the waters. And out of the water, he was drawn by a princess. And Moses became a prince in the house of Egypt. It's interesting. Egypt was the most powerful nation on the planet at that time. They had the largest military, the greatest resources, the greatest technology. In fact, uh, some of the buildings, the pyramids they built in that time are still here today. <laughs> I don't know very many cultures or nations that have built things that have lasted that long. So this was a powerful nation. And here is Moses, a slave boy, brought into the house of Pharaoh. And he was given the best education. He was given all the resources that Egypt had. He had everything. He had life by the horns, you could say. But there is Moses realizing that he's actually a Hebrew, not Egyptian. And so Moses does something. He realizes that his people are suffering, that he wants to do something about it. So he uses all the resources that he was given in Egypt, all the training, all the things that he had learned, and he decided he's going to try to make it right. He's going to try to rescue his people. So he tries to leave, lead a revolution, but it totally failed. <laughs> it totally failed. As he confronted the slavery of his people, he was ejected, and he had to run, and he had to leave the land of Egypt and run into the wilderness, into the desert, to the land of Midian. I don't know, have any of you have ever been a refugee? But Moses was a refugee. He had to leave everything he knew, everything he thought that he had in life, he had to leave behind, and he had to run and hide. And what we know from the story in Exodus, you could go back and read this in Exodus 2, 3, and 4. It's an amazing story. I invite you to go back sometime this week and read that story. But Moses is out in the wilderness, and he meets uh, a girl. And it's a love story, right? And so he marries uh, Zipporah, and he marries into this family of shepherds, and he becomes a shepherd. Now, in context, we have to think about that because here he is going from the highest, most powerful nation, big position, with a lot of resources, to be becoming a shepherd. In our day and age, that would be like working in a meatpacking plant, there weren't a lot of parents saying to their kids, go be a shepherd, go be a meatpack plant worker, right? There's not a lot of value in our world for that kind of thing. And so Moses became a shepherd of the lower class of people who did not seem to have much future or much hope. And God had a purpose. God had a future. God had a hope. <laughs> you see that? You see that in that story of Moses that from the world's point of view, things are very different. But from God's point of view, there's a whole different perspective. And that's the invitation of Psalm 1, is to see God's way. Not the world's way, not the world's message, but God's message. And so Moses, it says, was a shepherd for a long time. <laughs> Can you say that? A long time. Does it feel like you've been in this pandemic a long time? <laughs> and it's only been less than a year. But Life sometimes feels like it's long. And when you're in a long time, you can lose hope. You can lose perspective. You can lose sight of what God is doing. And it says in that long time, the people of Israel were enslaved and they were suffering and they were crying out to God and it didn't look like there was any future for them. But Moses, as he's a shepherd out in the wilderness with the sheep, he had time. 
because everything had been stripped away from Moses. He no longer had money, power, recognition. He was just a shepherd. He didn't have anything. He was just out in the wilderness. I'm sure he felt like a nobody. He felt like I'm sure God had forgotten him. But in that place of being stripped, of everything being removed, as he's walking towards a mountain, he sees a bush. And you can read about this in Exodus 3. As he comes to that bush, he experiences God. And he experiences God inviting him to a greater purpose, to a greater delight that he could never have imagined. You see, if you remember Moses, he wanted to liberate his people, but he tried in his own way. He did what Psalm 1 said in walking and standing and sitting apart from God. And now he's being invited to join God in what God is doing. He's being invited to center his life, not on himself, but on God. And it's at the burning bush as he's standing before God. And God even says, Moses, I even want you to take off your shoes. <laughs> I mean, this guy's been stripped of everything. And God says, I even want your shoes off. And as you come into my presence, I want you to know that I am holy. I'm different. As we go, went through Isaiah, if you remember Isaiah 55 says, God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. His ways are different than our ways. And so the things that we think we know, the things we think we've figured out, God says, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea, Moses, what I'm going to do through you. And so Moses takes off his shoes, and there he is before the presence of God and says he can't even look at the bush with his face because he knows he's in the presence of a holy God, a glorious God. Just like Isaiah, who came before God and fell before God and says, woe is me. All of us must come to that place. All of us must realize that we don't have the resources. We don't have what it takes. That if we're going to experience the blessing of God, we must be undone. We must be stripped of all that God wants to strip us of so that we can receive from him. Because <laughs> this is the goal. The goal isn't just to take away. The goal is God wants to give. God wants to give to you. He wants to give to me. He wants to give beyond what we could ever imagine. But first, we must be stripped of what we think we have, of what we know, of what we think will bring us happiness, what we think will bring us success. Over the last year, have you felt stripped of anything? I think God's done a lot of stripping this past year. Things that you relied on to think you would make you happy, make you blessed, have been taken away. But here's the issue. It can't just be taken away. It has to be replaced with something. It has to be filled with some something. And we can't fill it just with what we think we know. It has to be filled by God. And at that moment, as Moses is before God in the burning bush, as he's been stripped of everything, even his shoes, he has nothing left. He has nothing to offer, and he realizes that because he says over and over, God, I can't, I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough. What does God do? He gives to Moses and says, yes, I'm going to give you enough because you're going to do this. You're going to set my people free. You're going to go back to Egypt, and you're going to lead these people out, and you're going to bring blessing to them just as I promised Abraham that through you and your generations of people who come after you, there will be blessing to all the people's of the earth. 
And he says, through you, that blessing will flow. Moses, I have called you to be a man of blessing. I've called you to bring hope and freedom and liberty to the people. I've called you, Moses. And Moses says, I don't have what it takes. And God says, I know, but I am enough. (laughs) I have what you need. I've called you. I am enough. And if you look in that exchange, Moses says, what's your name, God? What's your name? What am I going to tell Pharaoh when I show up before Pharaoh and say, let my people go? What am I going to tell him? And God says, I am who I am. Think about that. I am who I am. That says everything about God. He is everything. (laughs) He is more than enough. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is sufficient for all things. He lacks nothing. He is enough. He is I am. Everything that you long for, everything that I I dream of is found in him. And he says, Moses, I've stripped you of everything, but I am enough. I am. Trust me. Believe in me. Follow me. And I will do through you what you can never imagine. You see, Moses is a type. He's a type of us because all of us are like Moses. (laughs) All of us have adversity. All of us have struggles. All of us have opportunities. All of us have things that have been given by God, but, but there's so much in us that needs to be stripped. There's so much that needs to be undone so that God can transform us and make us into something that he created us to be. And so we're in that process of transformation, of recreation, and what the New Testament calls new birth. It's the new creation of God that is beginning in us. But Moses is also a type of someone else. He's a picture of Jesus Christ, who is yet to come of the Messiah that Isaiah prophesied about, because Moses is a picture of the mediation of God, the provision of God that the enslaved people couldn't get out of bondage on their own. They needed a deliverer. They needed a savior. And so God raised up a savior. And Moses was only a man, but he was a type. He was a picture. He was a pointer to a future man named Jesus Christ, who would also liberate God's people from bondage, who would also free his people from slavery and deliver the people from the darkness into the glorious light of God. Jesus is the Savior. He is the hope. And so God gives Moses a stick. (laughs) Does that make you laugh? Moses, I want you to go to the most powerful nation on the planet with the greatest army, the greatest resources, And all I'm going to give you is a stick. (laughs) God has a sense of humor. He sends Jesus into this world to overturn the nations of this world, the kingdoms of this world. And what does he send Jesus as? A baby, defenseless, needing his mom and his dad. What is God doing? He sends Moses with a stick. He saves the world through a baby born in a little dinky town called Bethlehem. What is God doing? He's showing us. He's revealing to us that he's not like us, that his power is beyond what we can comprehend. He works in ways that we cannot imagine. And so what we think brings us power, God says, no, I have true power. 
And so Moses was given a stick. What does Psalm 1 tell us in verse 3? That the person who delights in God, who meditates on his law and date, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. You see, brother and sister, if you have faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ, you are a descendant of Abraham. And through Abraham, the blessing of God has come to all of humanity through the person of Jesus Christ who was born in the lineage of Abraham. And it's through Jesus Christ who came and lived in this planet and he died on a cross and he was resurrected. As he was with his disciples, he said, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to send you out in this world as ambassadors, as people representing God's kingdom, that God's blessing in this world. And he says, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And so God has given to us something even greater than what he gave to Moses. He gave us the Spirit of God, the very presence of God. And so as Moses carried the stick, and his name means drawn of the waters, we read Psalm 1, that person's like a tree planted by streams of water. What What did Jesus say in John? He said, in you, the Holy Spirit, it will be like streams of living water that will flow from within your heart. You see, God has given you everything you need. He's given you all the resources that you need to be a blessing in this world, to be a blessing in your marriage, to be a blessing to your children, to be a blessing in your workplace, to be a blessing in our community, to be a blessing in our nation, to be a blessing in this world. God has given us everything we need to bring his life and his love and his blessing to this world, just like Moses. God said, I will be with you. And what did Jesus tell us? As he said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. He said, I will be with you. Streams of living water. Where are you planting your life, your blessing? Is it in God? That's the question all of us have day by day. It says to meditate on God's ways day and night. This isn't just a one-time deal. This is a day and night, moment by moment. As, as Moses had that first encounter with God in the bush, if you read the entire story of Exodus, over and over, God had to bring Moses back into his presence to remind him, to remind him over and over. And brothers and sisters, that is why we're taking communion this morning, because we need to be reminded who we are. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. We need to be reminded of where blessing comes from. I want you to just look with me as we uh, go towards communion in verse 6 of Psalm 1. For the Lord, it says in NIV, watches. But if, if you look at that word, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. That word knows is so important. Because I believe at the very core, all of us as human beings want to be known. We want to be accepted. We want to be loved. And when we come before God, we encounter our greatest opportunity to meet our greatest need. And when Jesus sat down with his disciples, as they were seated around that table, and as he told them what he was about to do to go to the cross, and he was going to suffer, and he was going to His body was going to be broken and his blood was going to be shed. He was communicating what God was willing to do so that we could know him and that we could know that we are known by him. You see, Moses felt like a nobody. And many of you feel like a nobody. 
But God says, you are somebody. <laughs> and I want to know you. And I want to love you. And I want to give you everything that you need. And so when we come to communion, we really realize that God gives what is most precious. He gave of himself. He gave of his own body, his own blood, so that we could be made righteous, so we could be made whole, so we could be set free. God gives what is most valuable, most precious. There's nothing greater he could ever give to you to let you know that you are known, that you are loved. And so all of us have this opportunity. I was thinking about that last night, and around that table there were 12 men. But one of those men was Judas. And right before they took this meal, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and he washed Judas's feet. But Jesus knew that there was a battle happening in Judas's heart. And I believe there's a battle happening in each of our hearts this morning. And so the, the question is for Judas was, was there more blessing in following Jesus or, or was there more blessing in that 30 pieces of silver? There was a battle raging in Judas's heart. And Psalm 1 says there's, there's a contrast. There's a battle, okay? When we come to the communion table, there's a battle. Who are we trusting? Who is our I am? Is it, is it something else besides God? And this is an opportunity for all of us to bring that before God, to be honest, to, to confess before God the, the reality of the struggle. And, and Judas had an opportunity. Jesus loved Judas to the very end. Jesus did not reject Judas. He loved Judas to the very end. But Judas had a choice. Where was he going to sit? Where was he going to stand? Where was he going to walk? You have that choice. I have that choice. The blessing of God is given to us. <laughs> we don't have to do anything to earn it. We just have to open our hands and receive it, like Moses, like the other disciples that fateful night had opened their hands as Jesus sat there. And I want you to go ahead and open your cup. And there's a little piece of bread. And Jesus says, pass that bread around. And he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my body broken for you. He said, eat this and remember to me because I want to make a covenant with you. A covenant means relationship. I want to know you. I want you to know me. <laughs> That's what Psalm 1 is about. It's about knowing God. And so Jesus reminds us that we can know God. And so I want you to take this bread and let's eat it together and remember that we are known by him. And it says after Jesus took the bread, in the same way after supper he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant this is the new relationship, the new birth, the new reality that you are not slaves, that you are children with streams of living water living in you. In my blood, the most precious, powerful thing that he could pour out for you. Let's take and drink and remember. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for being our deliverer, for forgiving our sins. And I just pray for each person here, and there are some here who are struggling with different things. I pray that they can bring them before you and they can 
let go and allow you to strip away those things that they somehow think are bringing them life but are actually destroying them and let your Holy Spirit come in and fill and flood and restore and provide and give what only you can give. Lord Jesus, I pray over the next 21 days that you would show each of us if there's specific things that we need to let go of, that we need to fast from, that we need to give up, that you would show each and every one of us what that is. Lord, you're speaking. Help us to listen to your voice to delight in your word and your way. Help us to put aside those other voices and to listen and to receive from you. Show us over the next 21 days how we can fast, how we can give up, and how we can be filled with you. We thank you, Jesus, for your gift. We thank you for your presence today.